Many football players start their own businesses when they retire from the NFL. But former Detroit Lions wide receiver Calvin Johnson is among the first to make his business selling marijuana. It's been a medicine that's been here since the beginning of time. You know, we say it's the original medicine. That's why Johnson's calling his cannabis brand Primitive. We're a vertically integrated company, so we'll have the retail dispensary, we'll have the processing, and we'll have the cultivations. Johnson originally started his post-NFL career in real estate, finding properties in Michigan zoned for cannabis production. As his partner and former teammate Rob Sims explains, it made sense to get in on the action themselves. So Michigan is, you know, regarded as like maybe you know maybe the number two market in the medical market. A recreational market is gonna is gonna boom here as well. I think that's why we're in a position where we don't feel like we need to rush. We just need to make sure we put out the best product possible. The two have been able to secure some impressive backers. Primitive is working with a Harvard Medical School group that studies the medicinal properties of plants. Sims says the partnership will allow Primitive to explore treatments for CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which affects many football players. We think we're not only going to be able to help ourselves, but other players in the NFL and other people that have cognitive disease. So we're in a, we've got a great opportunity here, and we just got to make good on it. Sims and Johnson could be the biggest names in Michigan getting into the cannabis industry, but they're hardly the only people pivoting to pot. Russell Schindler is a geologist. He started his company, SampleServe, to digitally track environmental samples as they're sent from sites to labs to storage. Now, he's looking to do the same for marijuana testing. Schindler says the people he's pitching his business to are not what he expected. I see a lot more suit coats here than I thought. I thought they'd see more tie-dye t-shirts and dreadlocks. The Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference has attracted a lot more people you'd expect to see on Wall Street than in a head shop. That includes Abby Tamot, who works in business development for Fortuna Investments, a Canadian venture capital firm. He says Michigan's cannabis industry has some unique characteristics. You can still charge a premium right now, today, for dry flower in Detroit versus Colorado, California, Ontario, BC. You can't do that anymore there because, you know, you're seeing margin compressions because essentially facing commoditization. In other words, there's not enough marijuana here in Michigan. Because of that shortage, local growers have the upper hand when it comes to selling their product. Tamote says there's money to be made when supply is low and demand is high. The profit margins in Detroit, what I've seen from the companies that I've chatted with, are significantly higher than what I've seen in Colorado and California. It's a good time to be a licensed grower in Michigan. Just ask Joe Neller, the co-founder and chief government affairs officer of Green Peak Innovations. We have more plant count than anyone else does uh, that's currently active and in the market. And what is your plant count? We currently have 18,000 plants. We operate about 76,000 square feet of uh, manufacturing space in the Lansing area. Picture this. Green Peak Innovations Grow Operation could take up half of a Meyer Supercenter. The company does more than cultivate cannabis. It makes extracts and edibles, too. Neller says Green Peak is even partnering with Short's Brewing Company to make drinks. Sparkling waters, cold brew coffees, lemonade, teas. Um, you know, all sorts of beverages, uh, and then when the regulations and the laws allow for it, we will eventually look to infuse some of their existing uh, craft beers. It's the first partnership between a brewery and a cannabis company in Michigan. And it's another sign of how legal marijuana is merging with existing industries, finding audiences beyond patients and current users. Longtime advocate and attorney Matthew Abel says Lansing hasn't always been on the right footing when it comes to introducing marijuana to the market. The Snyder administration kind of uh, did a ham-handed rollout of this program, in my opinion, in that the proper way to do it would have been to license the growers first since the product takes three or four months to grow it, harvest it, and cure it. Abel says it's still hard for large-scale growers to get licenses. For another two and a half years or so, we're only going to have 
companies which already have medical licenses eligible for the REC, except for the two smallest licenses. And there's the issue of criminal records. Thousands of people in Michigan are still dealing with the onus of past marijuana convictions, whether they're in prison, on probation, or applying for a job. Voter-approved legalization did not erase those crimes. That's an issue for the reformed grower or dealer who got arrested when the business was still bootleg. They won't be able to apply with the state if they've been convicted within the past five years. Abel says the next step in reform is to clear those records. It would help a lot of communities and a lot of people if we could get expungement passed so that people could remove those uh, criminal offenses from their record and then be eligible to hold licenses. The Michigan Regulatory Agency is trying to fix the problem through its social equity program. The strategy concentrates on communities with disproportionate rates of marijuana-related convictions and poverty, such as Detroit, Flint, and Muskegon. The program provides resources for applicants, with bonuses for past marijuana offenders to reduce fees for licenses. Alexis Jackson wants to apply as she looks to enter the industry. I work at adult foster care home. I work with mentally and developmentally challenged adults. And being involved with them showed me how bad the side effects were of the drugs they were being prescribed. It hasn't been easy for Jackson to start her own dispensary. She says investors and partners have come and gone. But she's got a solid business plan for someone who's willing to take a chance. And someone who is understanding the fact that, no, I don't have a plethora of funds, but I have something and I'm willing to work in the industry, like actually inside of the facility. Jackson says access to capital is her biggest hindrance to getting started. The Michigan Regulatory Agency requires provisioning centers to show they have $300,000 on hand to operate. That includes at least $75,000 in liquid cash, not to mention filing fees and renewals. Jackson says most people understand her situation, but as a black woman, there aren't a lot of people that look like her around to help. I was one of the first people here today earlier, and I was like, hey, there are no black people here. I was like, oh, that makes me kind of nervous. I was like, what's going on? Jackson says the state should ease some of its regulations and fees to make it easier for people to get started in the new marijuana economy. With recreational storefronts likely to open in the beginning of 2020, we'll soon find out who gets rich and who gets left behind in Michigan's Green Rush. For WDET News, I'm Eli Newman in Detroit.